Hi, my name is Kelsey Terry, and I want to first of all welcome you back to the show. Hacking Autism is all about helping you to see autism as your unfair advantage. And so I'm going to systemically go across individuals that are on the spectrum and talk to them about how do they hack their autism. And today's no exception. I sit down with Daniel Jones. He's a YouTuber who uses his influence and his firsthand experience of life on the spectrum to help others. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Daniel. So Dan, today we're going to be talking about three different things. First, I want to talk to you about autism, um, the obvious topic. But then second, I want to talk to you about the evolution of social media in the context of autism. And then third, I've just got some really fun questions, uh, some rapid fire to wrap up our time. Cool. Okay, let's do it. Awesome. And so with that, Dan, for those that don't know you, what do you do for a living and what keeps you busy? What do I do for a living? Oh my goodness. How would you define that? Yeah. What what is my job um, and what keeps me busy? Well, a bunch of things keep me busy, I guess. But my job is I'm a YouTuber or a digital influencer. I don't. That should be an official title for this. Mm-hmm. It isn't at the moment, sure. but it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but that's what I do. Uh, what keeps me busy is making content for my YouTube channel, my podcast, my Facebook page, my Instagram, my Twitter, my blog, um, and Alexa skills and TikTok. You know, pretty much every single app you can think of that's creating content. Um, I find that. Um, it's it's more than just a day job it's a full-time mm-hmm. like it's not even a job you know it's, it's your life and I love it I love every single second of it awesome and so with that um do you identify would you say that do you like the term influencer would you say that you're more of a creator do people kind of squawk at that when you say you know I'm an influencer I'm a full-time youtuber um I don't know because like I, I would definitely say that I'm a, a youtuber um, I'm a full-time influencer because people get influenced from my content, mm-hmm. I guess, and people like, I don't know, they feel inspired by it, they, they feel motivated by my content, so I would say influence is a good, it's a good term to use because it's exactly what I do, you know, I do influence content, I guess. Awesome. So you were diagnosed in your mid-20s formally, uh, is that a fair summary or statement to say? Yeah, definitely. Um, I was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome um just before the dsm changed the ruling of course uh, yeah in 2013 ironically um and i think i was probably one of the last wave of people to actually have an asperger syndrome diagnosis um which is kind of interesting you know in some ways um but yeah so i was diagnosed when i was 26 which is a super late diagnosis and you know okay it could be worse it could be in my 60s but i would say this is a late diagnosis and because of that um it was kind of liberating at the time as well because like until that point, everything was a bit kind of, you know, you didn't know what was going on, you didn't know why you were the same way, and people just, it was just, it was, it was difficult, it was difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, well, I was diagnosed at 15, and I initially thought, you know, oh no, I have this diagnosis, this is the worst thing ever, I don't want to have autism. Um, yeah. And so it sounds like you, in as a shift, were actually kind of relieved to have this framework to say, Okay. Well, if I have this, this these are resources that I can seek out, and so you kind of Definitely. went the opposite way. Yeah. So it turns out for me, it was like kind of like all my childhood, not really knowing, you know, what on earth was going on, and having like difficulties in school, in life, at home, friendships, relationships, all that kind of stuff. So for me, when I when I was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome, it was like, oh my goodness, this is exactly what it is, and quite fascinating. 
I didn't know anything about it at the time. I, and so a lot of people may have like heard of like autism before they're even diagnosed because they may be researching it. But for me, it was kind of like, you know, knowing nothing and all of a sudden having this diagnosis. And this is what led to making my YouTube channel. This is mm-hmm. why I did what I did. Well, and I just want to say thank you for making that YouTube channel because I I sought to look to the internet and I was frustrated by um, the books that were written by Daniel, or not Daniel Atwood, um, but David Atwood, I think is his yeah, name. David Atwood, yeah, David um, Atwood. Writing about autism from a very academic perspective of like, we have observed this in the children. And yeah. I love to see firsthand, okay, this is what it actually means for my life. And here's how I'm thinking about these things. Here's how I'm thinking about dating and jobs and college and all the different topics you've covered. I have mm. really seen that as a resource. So I just want to say thank you for making all that stuff. Well, you're more than welcome. I, uh, I, absolutely, lo- I absolutely love the content I, c- I create. Uh, and so, um, yeah, you're more than welcome. Would you tell your younger self if you were 15 years old, knowing what you know now about life on the spectrum and leveraging your autism to become, you know, a social media expert, whatnot? What would you tell your younger self? Um, uh, not to worry so much. I think I worried a lot when I was a kid, so sure. I worried about uh, like, oh, I'm like a bit of a freak, and you know, and uh, so I told myself not to worry and to always believe. And I was always right with what I thought, like uh, everything. Like I, honestly, when I honest, you won't believe me, but when I first started YouTube in like two thousand and eight, but I didn't, I didn't mm-hmm. believe in myself enough to carry on doing it. Honestly, I'll find videos, I'll dig them out, and send them to you. But so if I'd have just stuck at it, I'd be like so far ahead of the game now. You know what I mean? Okay, so it would be relax, keep doing what you're doing, and trust yourself. Would be kind of Absolutely. the core takeaways of that. Oh, one hundred percent. Now, are you a new father? Is that correct? I am, yeah. I just I just became a father last August. Well, congratulations. Thank you very much. I have to I have to ask you, um, I have a number of friends that have young children or infants, and when the kids start crying, how do you how do you manage um, that when it comes to sensory overload in the context of autism of like, you know, loving on your child, being present but then it also is that added complexity of being on the spectrum. So thoughts on that? Oh, it's so difficult. I mean, I haven't perfected it yet. I mean, my, my child is eight months old and I'm nowhere near perfecting it. Like, I, it's it's so difficult. I mean, and this is something else. So I don't know what part this is. It's obviously related to sensory issues. Mm-hmm. But so when my, when my kid is like screaming and I'm trying to deal with his screaming, I, I get really hot. So his not his um like irritation makes me hot so then i have to like, strip down into my like boxer shorts like ah what the heck's going on <laughs> and it's so weird it's like anger and heat all at once and and it's because i i can't i can't deal with the, the noise level and it's almost like when he when he's crying i can't think straight i can't mm-hmm. think of anything else it's it completely just it just disables me um yet i haven't figured out a hack um the only things I've done is played music. So what happens is when I play music, and this is a weird, maybe it's a weird, it's a personal one, but when I play music, he kind of gets chilled uh, because he loves music, any kind of music. Normally, like, 90s and 80s pop, he loves it. Um, okay. But, so, <laughs> so, like, I play music and he starts chilling out, but then obviously I'm chilling out because music, 
I can have music quite loud and it doesn't really annoy me. If I'm listening to music loud on my own, it's okay. But when it's, I'm listening to music and somebody's trying to talk, I just can't even, like, there has to be mm-hmm. either one loud noise or none, but baby crying is crazy. So I figured out music is just the only hack, really, that I've currently used. But honestly, it's an ongoing evolution. Like, I had no idea. Sure. Well, so I don't know if I'll have kids, but I've I've definitely thought out in my mind, you know, when the crying starts... Should I just put earmuffs on so that it brings at least the decibels down by 30 to just like bring it to a manageable level? Because crying is hard for any adult, you yeah. know, when, you're, when your child's in need and it's no fault of their own. And so anyways, I was just curious about how you manage that. Well, it's, um, it's yeah. a weird one as well because like you, you want to, mm-hmm. you're not thinking about anything like you're, how can I explain? When, when, the, when, when he's crying, I'm like, Oh my goodness! I gotta, I gotta tend to this baby right now and figure out what's going on. And so the last thing you're thinking about is, hey, I've got to stop, go downstairs, and get my ear defenders, put them in, come on back upstairs. It's not like that, you know. So <laughs> correct, because it's because it, it's it's like you have to think there and then, and it's super difficult. Usually though, uh, my partner Naomi, she's she's so good. She's like she's here usually all the time. It's only random times that she's not here with him, so she's usually good to, you know, help him out um, when he's crying because he. He's a bit of a mummy's boy and she's like really good with him, you know, um, and so she's really, she knows what to do. But she goes to the gym three times a week. So in the morning, so I got him <laughs> trying to put him down for a nap. Sure. And, but it, we had one crazy time last, like about a week ago, and but I don't think he was well. So he kind of made it worse. But I, I don't know. I think it's learning to, to understand your kid as well and understand why they're crying. I think that's, you know, you've got to just do the checks. And there's like a fail-safe thing as well as you go through the list, like nappy, no, teething, no, um, hungry, no, sleepy, Mm -hmm. yeah, okay. So, and then you do the, you set in stone those those things that you get them to go to sleep with. And that that kind of helps. So it's, it's just knowing your kid at the end of the day. Sure. Well, and so that brings me to my next question. Um, you have been with, Na- is it Naomi? Is that your yeah, partner's yeah, name? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've been with her for a number of years? Yeah, so uh, it'll be 10 years uh, at the end of this year, I think. Awesome. Congratulations. And so what would you recommend as tips for those that want to be in long-standing relationships you know, again, being on the spectrum, right? There's the component of just how do you love each other well, period. Mm-hmm. And then how mm-hmm. do you add the complexity of life on the spectrum? It's, it is it is really difficult. I mean, I've had like uh, two serious uh, girlfriends uh, in my life or partners. And, um, you know, they, it, it didn't, those the other ones didn't obviously end well, obviously, otherwise I wouldn't be with the only for 10 years. Um, and it was because you have to be and this is like i feel like you have to be a certain type of person to get along with somebody on the spectrum um, sure. because of the demanding nature of the type of personality and that's a good thing um mm-hmm. but you just have to be you have to find the person who's understanding communication is key and finding ways to communicate so you know we spent years just shouting at each other not knowing what was going on when we having mm-hmm. a, you know rows or whatever because everybody argues and rows i mean that's just human Agreed. nature i yep. argue with my dog and he doesn't even speak english so yep. um people row about anything all the time because you're going to upset people especially if you're in close proximity the difference is how do you manage those um you know you know how do you manage the difficulties well you do normally people just kind of i don't know what people's mechanisms are so what we do is 100 honest i'm always honest about what what's going on so i have to just say like this is this and this even if it just sounds quite you know blunt i, I don't really have mm-hmm. a filter so she knows exactly where i'm coming from sure and then i think this is the biggest one this is the biggest tip is complete time out like when someone's 
when someone's trying to tell me something or, or talk to me about something that's quite um, you know socially demanding, it's difficult to understand the flow of what they're saying. If it's not academic um, in its in its procedure, I, I have an issue trying to figure out what's going on. So um, when we're t- we're having a discussion, a heated discussion, I I can't understand what is going on, and then it just kind of gets snowballs out of control because I have no idea what the heck is going on. So we just go, okay, this clearly isn't working. Let's chill for two hours, come back when we're relaxed, and then give it to me in a format that you think I can understand. And that's it. So it's more challenging for my partner, I think. And it's the it's down to the partners of the people of, uh, you know, who are dating someone on the spectrum that they have to find out what they how to how to communicate with them the best way. Because mm-hmm. you know we we do you know. We, we, we communicate typically, you know, as anybody else would, you know, oh, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. you get around your day, you do stuff. But when there's like specific issues, I think like learning how to talk to somebody to digest pro- protocol is, is definitely something that is you have to kind of like you have to learn over a number of years. But I'm lucky as Naomi um, has a degree in childhood studies and childhood development in specifically in autism. So she so she you know her dissertation is all about development of autism, how you communicate sure. with kids on the spectrum. So she's got such a background in it that she mm-hmm. she's just able to absolutely you know, she nails all the communication parts, obviously, but she's human at the end of the day, so she's not always gonna be really calm and collected when we're in a discussion. Sure. Well it sounds like you've uh found yourself an expert. That's pretty amazing and wow. Yeah, she's um, pretty good. So I've been married for seven years and something that we talk a lot about is managing meltdowns in the context Mm. of marriage and like, and how do you not melt down in a good way? I guess that's maybe what I'm trying to say is um, like, cause I know when I'm overstimulated and like sometimes when the environment can cue that, uh, that behavior, that action. And so I'll try to remove myself, but just thoughts on meltdowns in the context of marriage. Well, I feel like, you know, meltdowns, we do a lot of prep work for meltdowns. So sure. like, you, you have to know your triggers. Like, okay, so we don't have onions or garlic in our house anywhere. So onions okay. and garlic are huge triggers for me. Um, mm-hmm. I can't be around onions, can't be around people who are eating onions, can't be around garlic, can't be around people who are eating garlic. But it's a whole different context if it's uh, cooked in food. So we have like a pasta sauce, it's got, you know, it's cooked and it's like a tomato-based sauce that has garlic in it because all garlic and onion is like basis of most sauces and gravies. And that's okay. Weird, right? But it's to me, it's situational and it must be situational because I don't know why, but because those smells make me really uncomfortable. So when we go to the store to buy like groceries and stuff, Nomi's like, and it happened like the other day, we we're going to the grocery store and we're like going around, past the bread aisle, and then Nomi's like, oh, we have to go down this side of the shop now because we're going to pass the deli counter if we stay here. And we know what happens when we go past the deli counter. You know, they've got fresh garlic and onion chopped up, ready to serve. So I'm just like, oh my goodness. So I avoid that side like the plague. So it's things like that that we've made a list of like, okay. Dan gets triggered with these. And pretty much anything triggered mm-hmm. with no. But, you know, I, I get triggered mm-hmm. by a lot of things. And then so Nomi knows the list. So she says, it's all about preventing a meltdown. And it, so, sure. but, de- but dealing with it, um, I mean, oh my God. She's been, she's been through, like, saw me through the, the worst meltdowns. I've broken my hands and like, just crazy stuff. So I think she, um, she's really good at keeping her cool now as well because I guess like meltdowns happen for when I'm, when I'm panicking as well I'm like freaking out about something and she starts panicking about it like oh no don't stop because obviously it must be distressing for the other person to see um, they can get triggered as well and then it's just a big mess so I think one of the, the key mm-hmm. tips is the other person to just stay completely calm and then they can control that situation because it's all about control once you're in a meltdown you've lost control so if the other person has the control 
then you can bring you back around. Sure. No, that's great advice. Um, so I'm curious, as you've been in the spotlight when it comes to um, autism and you've been invited to speak at various events, I'm curious, how have you seen the conversation evolve just even in the last five years around autism? Do the questions that people ask you, do they ask you different questions or is it always the same set? Has that changed over time? Um, I don't know. I mean, like, the questions, the early types of questions you get, how does that feel? How do you feel about that? That was a really weird mm-hmm. question. How do you feel about being on the spectrum? It's like, well, I don't know, just life, isn't it, for me? But Sure, it's me. Now, yeah. yeah, but now it's become more of a, and it's quite weird. People demand, people demand a lot from you, when you're, especially when you're an influencer with, like, when you're doing something like this, mm-hmm. advocacy. People demand that you speak to them and tell them everything and give them all the answers. I don't have all the answers. And one of the biggest questions I get, Every single day, I'll open up my one of my social media platforms or my email account, and I'll get any. How do I tell my family? How do I tell my partner? How do I tell my boyfriend that I'm on the spectrum? How do I tell my friends without them judging me? That is the biggest question I get asked. Honestly, if I could, like, monetize the answer to that question, I'd be a millionaire because the <laughs> like that is the most asked question, and I don't, honestly don't know how. I always say, look, guys, the only thing you can do is be honest because. The only thing you can't approve upon is the truth. So if you're if you're honest about what you do, there's no there's there's no improving on it. You just say it as it is, and if they don't if they don't like it, they don't understand it, and that's not your issue. And so it's a very difficult one to say because people already know this answer. They just don't want to admit it. I guess they they need someone else to just tell them that's what it is. You have to just tell them if you want to mm-hmm. tell them, and don't if you don't. Yeah, and my comment on that would be you need to have your safe people. You need to establish like who is a safe person in your life and if they're safe, they should be trustworthy to share your quote unquote secret with, to share your autism with. So Naomi's that person for you and if they're safe and trustworthy, they're worthy of knowing about your diagnosis. If they're not, then I don't think you, sh- you know, you you don't have to tell them. Yeah, definitely. And then and another thing I can add to this as well, some people say like, oh, uh, I need to tell my friends that I got autism, but I think they're going to make fun of me or, or, you know. And I'm like, well, if they're going to make fun of you, they're not friends, you know, you need to get shot of those yeah. people. So mm-hmm. you are right. It's about picking the right people around you and determining who is, you know, evidently the, the, the nice and kind and trustworthy people that you can confide in. And I guess those people are the people who won't judge you and are not going to make fun of you. And that's very simply put, really. What would you be doing if you were not a full-time creator? If it, if the internet blew up and you had to just go home, uh, what would Dan be doing if if YouTube was not available and Instagram wasn't a thing? Would you, you be know, a chemist? Would you be you know, a rocker? I, I don't know. I mean, I've done, but I am all of those things, you know? So, mm-hmm. like, and, and this is interesting. I've always been fascinated in creating stuff. Like, okay, mm-hmm. so when I was, okay, so when I was a kid, I used to, play i used to uh like engineer like things like electronic things i'd take like walkie talkies apart and then like add different aerials to them expand the range and like then i i was really into like cb radios and building aerials and like playing about with it and that stuff like that fascinated me so when i got my hands on a computer um i was able to kind of content create been creating content for years and making music and making music videos and creating small entertainment videos so i don't know maybe i'd probably end up on tv because i've done a lot before with tv i've been with the bbc i've done stuff with mtv um 
uh, I, I do some extra work every now and then or support and acting work. I did some quite recently on some big shows. Um, I was supposed to be in the um, the uh, the Watchmen TV show that's coming out wow. soon. So I was going to do that, but then I, I couldn't because I was busy with YouTube and stuff. So I guess probably I'd end up on TV or entertaining somewhere because um, I love I just love creating content data. Like I, I don't know, it's bizarre. I just love it. And so how did you know you were ready or in a place to take the leap to be a full-time creator? Was it a certain sub count? Was it a number of speaking engagements, partnerships? How did you justify that or like take that leap? Do you know what's quite funny actually? Like I, I never, um, I've never been asked this question ever before. And then on well, Tuesday, I'm proud of myself. Well, Tuesday, honestly, mm-hmm. until this week, on Tuesday, oh, I was okay. doing a, I was doing a presentation. I was talking at a marketing agency about marketing uh, for video optimization, social media optimization, and SEO for social media and video on YouTube. And because I'm becoming quite a guru in this area, I was invited to talk to this marketing agency because I'm going to set up a consultancy soon, do, doing this as a, as a side hustle. So, uh, awesome. and they, and I asked the questions. And the first question they asked me was this exact question. Now. And I'll give you a bit of context to this. When I when I first decided to take YouTube seriously, I was invited to Manchester to a YouTube uh, creator session where mm-hmm. I got to talk and hang out with some creators who were on the rise. One of them was SuperSaf TV. You've probably heard of him. Mm-hmm. He's huge. Um, and then there was there was a bunch of other guys there, um, but SuperSaf was probably the, the one who's really kind of gone gone huge right now. And there's another guy called Andy Guitars, um, and he he's a he's like the biggest guitar tutorialist on YouTube. He's like got a beard. He's a cool guy. He's from like the UK. Anyway, so I spoke to these two dudes, and they said, "Oh, when you hit a hundred thousand subscribers and you quit your day job, now." That I was always like, oh, I gotta get a hundred thousand. I quit my day job. Sure. I quit. I quit my day job uh, when I hit forty. No, when I hit fifty thousand or forty thousand subscribers. Between forty and fifty thousand subscribers, I, I quit my day mm-hmm. job. Now, you know, let's put it this way: YouTube ad revenue. It should. It, it's about twenty percent of your you know income and then about 70 percent of it is like advertisers who sponsor videos and then the, the rest is just kind of random things like merchandising and um mm-hmm. i don't know speaking engagements and stuff like that so the question is not at what level do you can you take it full time the question is how quickly can you start monetizing yourself as a personal brand so it's not it's nothing to do with YouTube count, um, subscriber count. If you have an audience, you could have a thousand. Look, put it this way, put it in some perspective. Um, a guy I know uh, who runs another channel called uh, Video Creators. Um, he he was running a channel at uh, ten thousand subscribers, and I know a guy who was running a channel at hundred thousand subscribers. The hundred thousand subscriber channel was earning maybe a thousand dollars. Uh, a year from YouTube. The guy who was running a 10,000 subscriber channel was running over a million dollars a year. So it's how you mm-hmm. can monetize. And if you have value, and this is all about value. So for me, it was when, you know, when is the right time to do to do it? So for me, it was more like, okay, when do I have the support from my community that they will watch those videos, uh, that they will buy that merchandise to support this channel, they will support me on Patreon. And I, I am at a, a level where I'm comfortable enough to work with brands that I think will benefit my audience. And that's what I do now. So, um, you know, it's, it's super hard work. Like, it's super hard work. But I would say it's, it's just you've got you've to think, think like you're running a tiny business, um, that can, a global tiny business. How weird is that? But that's how you've got to mm-hmm. think. 
Now, with social media and just content creation being a full-time role of yours, where do you think the autism community is most vibrant or represented? Is it Twitter? Is it more Instagram? Is it more YouTube? Where are you, or even Twitch? Um, just thoughts on where, like, where do you see the most chatter from your vantage point? I see the most Okay, the mo I will call it attention because attention is, is the correct terminology to use for this type of thing. Sure. So where is the most attention for this content topic? I mm -hmm. would say in order of... T the okay so there's hmm, it's really difficult because there's two there's two camps there is mm -hmm. people who are supporting autism and raising awareness who have non-judgmental um charitable hearts and they don't care mm -hmm. about autism speaks they don't care about anything else they just want to you know get on and help people they have no vendetta against any company and that is a huge <laughs> chunk of people those people okay. the mums the dads the teachers the average joe who just wants to donate and help people out who, who has no kind of crazy obsession with some conspiracy about some charity they all hang out <laughs> on facebook okay so they're like they're on facebook and they're a huge 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 profile on facebook then you have the exact flip side of that and the flip side who are obsessed with terminology definition this charities don't want some bad thing in the future in the past they're horrible i you know we dislike the puzzle piece and it has to be light mm -hmm. and red and blue those people live on twitter in a massive okay. way so they're very segregated but mm -hmm. the mums and the dads and the, ch the typical charity they don't hang out on twitter uh, but the, the 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 militant um neurodiverse you know people they mm -hmm. hang out on twitter and they 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 breathe on twitter so but for me if you're middle of the road like i am and you just want to just do the best for everyone and everyone's included yep. um youtube and instagram straight up straight up 100 okay. okay. but but even um, more so now we're, we're pitching into the podcasting like even now like we're on a podcast but that is becoming huge i get like emails of people saying i found you on spotify or itunes love the podcast like it's great blah 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 um and, and that's becoming huge now. My podcast, it just rapidly increased with, like, popularity. As soon as I uploaded, like, it was crazy. I don't I don't even publish. Like, you, you you must see my content. I never really promote my podcast. I mm -hmm. might put a tweet out saying there's a new episode out, but I'm not, like, hard out like I am with YouTube videos. I don't do any backlinking. Yet my podcast has thousands and thousands of retention uh, minutes. It's crazy. Sure. Well, and I think what is powerful about podcasting is it allows your audience to engage with what you have to say but empowers them to vacuum the house or to mow the lawn at the same time so they can consume passively and enjoy yeah. that. Definitely, especially educational or informative content. You're able to digest and download that content, but passively, so you can actually do two jobs at once, which is exactly where you know everybody wants to be because we're in this like, fast-paced society. Sure. Okay, so now I'm going to pivot to some fun questions. Um, cool. My husband is has asked me to um, post these to you. Sure. Um, as a lover of Star Wars, yeah. what compelled you to write a book on the Jedi religion, um, the Church of the Jedi, that mindset? I mean, so a lot of people love Star Wars, but why a book or what took you there? um it was a long progression actually i i sure. i decided i i loved star wars for the simple fact that it gave like a spiritual philosophy for the average mm -hmm. joe and i loved that because i feel like spirituality is lost within people because when you say spirituality to people or spiritual people think like just you, yeah they're, they're crazy like a scientologist or like you're um you're really into like christianity and stuff right and both of those are fine i mean you can do what you want i don't care 
but I feel like there's a middle road where people lose sight of being like spiritual and humble. And so I was like, Stowers has got those answers for that. So I decided to set up the, the Church of Jediism. It's not like a church, it's not a religious body kind of thing. It's just more of a uh, the social fan club of spiritual philosophy based on Star Wars. Um, so I set that up in 2007 and started writing blog posts and websites and stuff. And I was approached by Hap Collins back then. They phoned me from New York like, hey, it's Hap Collins, you want to do a book and all this stuff. And I would, wow. I'm not a writer. There's no way on earth I could ever do writing. And I was like, okay, look, it's never going to happen. So, 10 years went by, <laughs> wow. and and uh, I was on a podcast um, with a woman called Teresa Chung, who is a very famous uh, spiritual writer, and we, she was talking, she wanted to interview me because she heard about the work I'd done with, you know, setting up a Star Wars philosophy-based, you know, philosophy and religious context and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And so uh, she said, hey, what about doing a book? Have you ever done a book? I said, I've never done a book before. And then I told her the story I just told you. And then she said, well, I'll help you write it because I'm a ghostwriter because I got dyslexia as well. There's no way on earth I'm going to be able to write a book. Um, so she said, I can help you write it and we can pitch it to publishers. I was like, okay, cool. So we wrote a proposal straight away, just put the proposal out to a few publishers. We had loads of people want to you know so we took the best publishing deal and just said okay we'll run with it and it was watkins media which is the oldest bookstore or the oldest esoteric bookstore in, in the world probably and it's in london like alistair crowley used to go and get his books and stuff which is crazy um so uh they they own a book publishing company called watkins media and uh and they put the book out and that was just it was a crazy ride like having a book out and it got to number one in the amazon us and amazon uk mm-hmm. like you know it got a bestseller it's in three languages it's an audio book read out by the guy who plays reagan in um the uh, gotham tv show and it was just what a ride that was and i loved every second of it but this may interest you a bit more like i i'm actually writing a book right now on asperger's syndrome autism life hacks uh, tips and tricks relationship uh, dealing with mm-hmm. stuff day to day and that is going to be out probably by the end of this year but it's specifically for the youtube crowd like everybody who's like a fan of mine it's specifically tailored towards them because all the questions i've had i'm putting into that book as well mm-hmm. so but books are great if anyone wants to write a book go out and then do it and just pitch and pitch and pitch awesome okay and um do you believe darth vader was the chosen one or not he did fulfill a prophecy so i would say yes okay uh favorite character in star wars uh ben kenobi amazing Okay. Okay. Respect. Um, and I've seen the Funko toys in your office. Yeah. Um, right through, <laughs> do you do you pull them out or are you a box person? Do you keep them in the box? Um, I'm a box person. I know you have them That's out there. Fine. But- that's fine. I, we do. We, we do have one out. We have Joey from Friends, who's upstairs on the TV set. Because we have a very small TV set. We don't use TV a lot, but when we do watch TV, mm-hmm. we like to watch things that we specifically. We don't watch like you know terrestrial or cable. We don't have anything like that or satellite. We just like watch Netflix or whatever. Mainly YouTube because you know YOLO mm-hmm. <laughs> millennials and all that. But we have Joey from Friends as the only guy who's out of the box. Uh, but all the other ones are strictly in boxes. And I'll tell you what. I'll tell you why. Actually, I bought. Um, I, I for ten pounds, which is about twelve to fifteen dollars, mm-hmm. I bought Mayor of Halloween Town, which is a pop vinyl from the Nightmare Before Christmas, um, and I bought him for ten pounds from a woman who was selling it, um, and she was like, "Yeah, here you go, he's ten pounds," and I kept him in his box, and I sat on it for a couple of weeks, and then I went on eBay, and I realized there was only three in the world for sale in the entire world. I had one of them, so I decided to put it on eBay, and I got two hundred and seventy-five pounds for that one pop final figure which paid for my washing machine actually um when i first moved into this this, <laughs> uh, this house and and that was just amazing so i didn't really like nightmare before christmas that much i mean it's cool but this is mm-hmm. why i keep them in the boxes because if i didn't have the box then it wouldn't have had that value you know so it's always worth keeping the box even if you don't have a minute 
Sure. No, I, I respect that. I find that, I mean, these are my two favorite. I've got the Hulk and I've got Legatha from uh, Vikings, but oh, yeah. I, I keep them out because they remind me of my choice. Do I want to Hulk out, have a meltdown, or do I want to act valiantly like Legatha? Um, so for brilliant. me, they're, yeah, their visual cue is of like, Kelsey, who are you going to be today? Hulk? Legatha. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a, I have the, the Buddha Sattva because I'm, I'm a big Buddhist, obviously, uh, and mm-hmm. I, I do yoga and stuff. And I have Buddha. He's sat on my windowsill looking at me now, um, and he just looks at me <laughs> all day long. And I'm like, okay, i got to be good. i got to be like the Buddha. i got to think wise and think straight and clear my head. And, you know, sure. I love it. Um, how many Funko toys do you have or Funko Pop figures? Oh, my goodness. Uh... Funko toys in general, because not the pops. I actually have a Fight Club, a collection of Fight Club action figures who were made by Funko, and I also started the Stranger Things ones as well, and they're made by Funko. Um, Funko altogether, I don't know. There's maybe fifty or so, uh, but wow. I, but I've got rid of a bunch of them because, well, I actually haven't. I did I put my moved them because I didn't want them all on there, and I realized that it became a bit of an obsession that I wasn't really into anymore. Um, sure. So. I decided to downgrade some of them, uh, and now on my display behind me in the office, as you've seen in like the conspiracy video and stuff I did, um, I actually have a pop vinyl myself. Have you seen this before? No. Oh my goodness. Okay, hold on. I'm just going to get it because uh, it's just in arms reach. Give me one second. Did someone make it for you? Yeah, there's a there's a there's like a, a, a an official like Funko Pop custom designer. So this is the Aspie World pop vinyl. Cool. Look at this. Wow. So this, a box this is within me. a box. Yeah, so it's Very just fun. this is With like a plastic hair and case. Yeah, I got yeah. the blue hair when I had blue hair and, and my beard and cool stuff and like super hipster. I love it. But um, this is probably my favorite pop vinyl. So Katie, Katie's Craft with K. Okay. So K K K for craft. So I got the back of Katie's Craft. She's awesome. She actually makes it. She actually sells these as well. So she has. Yeah. She actually has them. So a bunch of my fans were like, I want to buy an Aspiral pop. And so you can't actually buy it, but she custom made them. It's, it's awesome. Okay. Uh, do you ever get tired of talking about your autism or autism as a whole? Do you just ever want to be Dan, like a guy living his life in Wales? Um, there's two questions there. Do I ever want to be Dan just living my life in Wales? No, because like I I cannot sit still. And probably ADHD in me sure. as well. I have to be doing something, and I'm always like I always. Uh, felt like I needed to be doing something great, right? And I'm not saying like becoming the next prime minister or whatever, but I need to be doing something great. Like it, if it's mm-hmm. helping somebody or if it's doing something, just you know, being in that public. I don't know why I was just drawn to it like a magnet to do something quite big and, and on a popular scale. I've always always had this like weird feeling, and I just drawn to it. So I would never ever just be down just chilling in Wales. But uh, in terms of like, do I ever get bored of talking about autism? Um, I don't get bored of talking about autism and stuff. I love creating content. I'm passionate mm-hmm. about it. But I feel like I'd love to talk about all, all the other things I'm obsessed with. You know, like I love, I love like UFO conspiracy theories. I'm sure. obsessed with like the 9-11 conspiracy theory stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it sounds a bit weird and morbid, isn't it? And people are no, really my, my husband's that, also obsessed. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, uh, and like... And, and SEO marketing and I just mm-hmm. and social media I I I just I'm absolutely in love with social media I just find it phenomenal people always give mm-hmm. it a bad name you know like Facebook put down your phones and stuff I'm like oh my goodness you know and so anyway I I I don't know I could never just be down I love it I never get bored never get bored okay um, well do, would you ever do SEO content on the Aspie World channel or would you ever do spin-off content like about those things you just talked about. Well, yeah, absolutely. So I, 
am the, so the, I told you I was doing a presentation talking mm-hmm. in that that marketing company on Tuesday so I actually filmed that for the vlog obviously making content and I've, I've recorded it for a podcast so I'm releasing a podcast on SEO marketing uh, for social media and I'm also uploading that video to YouTube um, on the As We Will channel as a vlog but what I'm also going to be doing is if if I get feedback, people like that information because, you know, people who watch my channel, I would say a good 20% of those are starting their own YouTube channels or running sure. social media influencer stuff. So maybe they want to digest that content in a more like detailed sphere. So I'm going to actually start another channel. As soon as this one reaches 100,000, uh, the Ask World, once the Ask World is 100,000, which is on track for July, um, the early July, um, I... Once I once that's a hundred thousand, I'll start another channel as well as as we all. I'm not going to leave it. I'm just sure. saying I'm going to start another channel, and they're going to build that one up to a hundred thousand as well because I believe I want to just put everything I know from the start. Because if I knew what I know now when I first started the Aspie World, we'd have, we'd be on a million right now. But sure. I needed to, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's 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 loads of things. So I want to test this out, and what better way to test out than educating people of the journey? And so sure. I, I think that's that's going to be cool. So yeah, awesome. Okay, favorite candy. Oh, 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 I don't really what do you, often What do you buy candy. most often? Maybe, or yeah, like what? what's most often? Okay, so. Do you have three? I'll, I'll, one or three? I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. So from a, so in Britain we call them sweets and, mm-hmm. um, and sweets cover anything that's like a, like a naughty snack food. So top mm-hmm. Doritos straight away, like, like chili heat wave Doritos, like amazing, but they're full of MSG okay. and it makes me super wound up. Um, the other one is I haven't had this for ten years, um, but Coca Cola um, and Mountain Dew. I love Coca Cola and Mountain Dew, just but I haven't had it for okay. ten years because I don't drink caffeine anymore. So, um, sure. and then the third one, um, I, I'm not so much into it now because I've, I had to calm down. But I love Twinkies, and I stopped having uh, stopped eating Twinkies because uh, they just they're really bad for me and like they're making me like way more hyperactive than I needed to be. So I stopped eating them, and now I'm not really bothered about them. But they used to be like. It was like straight at the top there, but like potato chips, like you know, Doritos. Doritos are like the the pinnacle of awesome. I could just sit down and just destroy Doritos all day. I I understand. For me, it's a Cooler Ranch. I don't know if you guys have that in the UK. Yeah, so it's called a uh, Cool Original here. We don't. It's not called okay. Ranch here. That is an awesome. amazing flavor, and it doesn't need dip well, that one either. No, it doesn't. But let me tell you, you could clear a room with your breath after you. You eat. could, you could, because it just you just <laughs> smell like you've just eaten like a whole loaf of garlic bread. Because like it's exactly. like that. Yeah, and see, this is weird, isn't it? Like I love Doritos, uh, and I love um, mm-hmm. I also love wasabi peas, which are super hot and they kind of a bit mm-hmm. garlicky tasting. Great, but I can't be in a room when someone's eating garlic bread. What on earth? We go to pizzerias. I stand outside because I'm like, oh, I can't be in there. That's just what on <laughs> sure. Earth. It just triggers. <laughs> yeah. Um, favorite place to visit. San Francisco, California. Favorite musician? Who are you listening to most right now on Spotify or YouTube? Wow. In terms of music. Um, my favorite musician is probably um, Mark Coppers from Blink One Eighty Two. But I, I listen to I listen mostly to um, God. Who am I listening to mostly? I'm listening to Owl City a lot. Um, okay. And Tyco, they're like a, a, an electric band from San Francisco, um, and even though I'm into, I'm like really into punk rock music. Like that's my, I love punk skate music, but mm-hmm. I also really like electric kind of pop. I don't know why. <laughs> okay, I think Owl City, the lead singer, um, is from a small town in Minnesota where I live, and so yeah, his, kind of a fun his, connection. Yeah, his name is Adam Young, and he's also on the spectrum. Yeah, you know that. I did not know that, but I will definitely take note of that because yeah, so he has Asperger's syndrome. Far. 
but they uh he's a very religious guy as well i think he's you know within that like religious community where he lives um but so i think he's done an art he did a, an interview when he was talking about autism or asperger syndrome um but he he also did a song with uh, uh with mark hoppus ironically he did a song with mark hoppus on his album uh, he did the same song with carly uh, ray jepson on uh, it's always a good time or whatever so um but i'll mm-hmm. say yeah I, I, he's amazing he actually also has a bunch of other pseudonyms that he makes music under like sky sailing um and there's a there's a bunch of others that i just it's amazing he's music everywhere you wouldn't even know it honestly he's just hidden everywhere interesting guys- okay well you've given me something to chase down uh, mac or pc mac always don't talk about pcs because they break and they're terrible okay canon sony or nikon canon always what on earth are you doing if you're not filming on a canon then you need to really go back to school uh peter mckinnon or casey neistat peter mckinnon every single day okay benji or sean from video influencers yeah if you oh pick one. my god I mean, maybe Benji. maybe you you can choose not to choose as well. Well, no, I I, I text Benji on a on a hard daily basis, so I say Benji. Okay, and, and let's see. What is something you once believed to be true and time proved otherwise? And that could be, I mean, it could be many things, but what first comes to mind? <laughs> that I believe that everybody at eighteen and over had their sh together, and they don't. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, and then lastly, how can listeners hearing this conversation, how can they support you? How can they find you? What are you up to? Oh my goodness. You can find me on every single social media platform you can think of. Like literally, if there's a social media platform launched today, I'm on it, honestly. Um, so it's at the Aspie world, um, A-S-P-I-E world, the, so the Aspie world. And, um, uh, I am currently up to, I'm making content daily on autism, Asperger's and a daily life now, like daily life living with it because I realized that my life has some value in it that maybe people mm-hmm. would want to see how I go to the store or whatever, or how I you know go to town and drop stuff at the, the post office and why I get triggered by blah, blah, blah. So I'm always up to that kind of stuff. And I'm also, um, I'm really getting into photography right now. So like, I don't know if you've been following my Instagram, but I've been, um, I, I made a bet with myself. I said that, right, January, my news resolution, I've got to, get my head around making really good photos for Instagram. Okay, be it that I'm quite busy, so a lot of the stuff that goes on there isn't as up to scratch as I want it to be, but I downloaded Lightroom. Um, you know, I pay for like the audio, the cloud, the, uh, the mm-hmm. cloud thing they've got. I can't remember what it's called, like the Adobe Cloud. And uh, I taught myself to, <laughs> to edit photos like a beast. And uh, so, yeah, if you're interested in seeing how I get on with that, definitely check out my Instagram. Awesome. Well, with that, uh, thank you so much for your time. And... Um, if you are interested, make sure to check out the Aspie World on YouTube because really in terms of content on this topic, there is no co- competition. Um, so I highly recommend it. It'll be linked in the content below. And with that, we'll catch you guys next time.